Hey guys, welcome to episode five of Cosmic Dragon. Today we are interviewing Paul Stevens, my agent. He's an agent with the Donald Moss Literary Agency. And for those of you who are interested in what it takes to send your manuscripts to agents and editors for that matter, this is a great podcast for you. But before we jump in, I want to let you know that my book, my debut novel, Smoke Eaters, is releasing March 1st in the UK and March 6th in the United States. It's a science fiction fantasy mashup uh, in the near future where firefighters are the last hope of survival against dragons that have returned to the earth. It's also got robots and ghosts and jetpacks and laser swords. It's, it's pretty fun, if I do say so myself. But let's get into the podcast with my agent, Paul Stevens. All right, Paul, my agent, my confidant, thanks so much for coming on to Cosmic Dragon. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the invitation. So today, uh, you know, I I got the idea to interview you because, well, for one, you're you're interesting, but two, I, I hear a bunch of other authors who have podcasts like Cameron Hurley have their agents on. I'm like, well, that's a great idea, especially because uh, I think people who would be interested in listening uh, would want to know, you know, the whole process of. of sending out queries and, and synopses and, and that sort of thing, and what, what agents want. Of course, I'll ask that. That'll, that'll be my first question to you, even though a lot of times when people ask this question, the agents say, well, it depends. <laughs> it's something different that I haven't been expecting before. So you might say that same thing, but I'll pose that question to you. Uh, what, what is it about a manuscript when you get it in that just says, yes, I, I want to offer my representation on this? Um, a lot of it has to do with I have to enjoy the book. Yeah, it's because also you know as the author you've had to read this book a million times. As an agent and on the other side as an editor, you have to read the book two, three, four times, possibly more. And if it's going to be something that you have a hard time finishing one time, oh, it's yeah. going to be like clawing your eyes out to go over it again and again and again. It, you know, it needs to be something that I'm like, wow, oh, this is really cool. And um, and what that entails, well, one of the good things about science fiction and fantasy is types, character archetypes in it. You could do anything with it, and that's the part that's really cool. The, so, the, the world is open. Yeah, and that's one thing I love about writing it, yeah. And also, I mean, you can a lot of stuff has been done already. You, you know, you have your you know Tolkien type quest fantasies and stuff like that. It's when you see a fresh new take on those things, or with them maybe mixed together with elements from another genre or something, then then you're kind of like, ooh, ooh, that's really cool. And uh, so that's the sort of stuff I, I look for. You know, there's a lot of you know kind of formulaic. You know, it's it could be anything. You know, we're not writing books that need, you know, X, Y, and Z needs to happen in these orders, and you're basically just plugging and playing different reasonably. You know, you read something, you're like, this is perfectly good, perfectly well written, but it's just so similar to all the stuff out there that it's not going to stand out. And right. um, and that part's that part's frustrating because there's nothing actually wrong with the book. Other than it, it, it's been done before, it's been done before, or just you know, it's it's perfectly competent, perfectly entertaining. I enjoyed reading it, but you know, it it, it doesn't have that kind of spark that makes you go, "Wow, this is amazing!" Right. I was actually reading a, a book uh, not too long ago called Hitmakers, 
uh, which talked about the science of popularity and why things go viral or why things are popular. And one of the things in that book that, that struck me was that a lot of the things that become popular are both uh, something that seems familiar, but at the same time completely brand new. Yeah. And I mean, you tell people that and they're like, well, okay, that's easy. How, I would, what, how do I do that? Are you asking me? Because I have no idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, okay, well, let's, let's look, at, look at my books. At least like, okay, like Daughters of Forgotten Light, okay. uh, which is the book that, that you signed me with. I mean, you know, it's got elements from the Warriors, Tron, uh, John Carpenter movies like Escape from New York, that whole, and women in prison movies and things like that, and the whole grindhouse thing. Mm-hmm. But... It was like just combining them. I, I don't know if I like consciously tried to do that. I mean, maybe like midway. I was like, oh, hey, I know what I'm doing here now. But uh, or, or or smoke eaters, you know. And I didn't invent robots or dragons or ghosts. I just threw them all, <laughs> or firefighters for that matter. I just threw it all in, you know, into the pot. So well, okay. So the, let me talk about each of those. Um, so I don't know if your listeners have no kind of the history of, of how this happened, but um, you, you were one of the first people to submit to me once I became an agent. Uh, Daughters, I just liked this. It was a heck of a lot of fun. And um, the it was some really cool ideas there and what you did with them. Uh, and it was it was an engaging story. I, I just, I was like, I remember thinking, oh, do I, you know, do I want to take this guy on? You know, it's, it's my first one. You know, I want right. to make sure that I do so. And I was just like, you know what, what, what made the decision is like, you know what, if I pass on this and someone else picks him up, I'm not going to be happy about that. So, uh, <laughs> so that's why I decided to, you know, to, to offer. And then you did the thing. I was like, you know what, eh, I'll get back to you in about a week. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, and there's a reason I did that is because I, know. And I, I you, Well, for one, I don't know to. if I've told you this. You're right, you're to. supposed and, to. And that's perfectly fine. And, you know, if, you know, if for listeners, if an a- agent puts you on the spot and says you need to, to accept right now. That's a red flag. That's a bit of a red flag. You need to do a little more research. So, yeah, definitely. That was perfectly. But from my point of view, I'm like, design. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Just, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, and I think I've told you this before. You were, you were my number one pick. To begin with, I just wanted had I had to go through the motions and be you know professional and send everybody else who had the book and, and a letter and you know all that. I mean you know. Yeah, and also you need to you know it's a sort of this is a sort of decision you, you want to sleep on. You want to be as excited about it the next day as you are at the time you say you hear the person offering. So you know that's that's perfectly fine. You handle it's perfectly professional to to ask for more time and. Um, so that's that wasn't a problem at all, but uh, that of course being my first offer, I was like, "Is this always going to be every time? I'm going to wait and wonder and, <laughs> and, and lose sleep, thinking, oh, what if they don't like me? What if they don't take me?'" So, um, ha- has that happened again since? Yeah, of course. Every single one is like, okay. Yeah, well, I tell people, I tell people when I, when I talk, I'm like, I, I tell them, hey, you know. Sleep on it. Think about it. Come, come up with more questions. Come and ask me. You know, I, I even if someone says yes, I accept. Then I say no. 
think about it, you know, and right. So, but you know, because your first one, you're like, oh my god, no one will ever, ever take me on. Yeah. So right. If I, yeah, <laughs> it, it's scary because it's like yeah. you know all this hard work you've put in and all this waiting. It's you know it's finally come to fruition, and you're not going to be like, no, nah, I'm going to think about it for a minute. Yeah, yeah the, the excitement sometimes takes over. And you're saying from the author's point of view, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same from the from the agent's point of view, especially you know, like with you and I. You, you know, I was I'm your first client, and and it was yeah. well, well from my point of view, it was okay. If I don't get clients, I don't have a career. So I was just kind of like, uh, 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 it's a little more calm now you know because i you know i have a good number of clients that i'm very happy with and it, it was just you know it was just being new that's all it was right so it, was just, it was just it's just funny that's all <laughs> <laughs> well that you know you bring up a, a good point though is that what i try to tell people and when i do my uh, class on uh, querying agents is that you, you don't be afraid to send uh manuscripts to brand new agents because Typically, they're 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 hungrier. They're they're looking for clients. They they won't have um, more of an excuse to turn you down. I guess. Well, I mean, obviously, um, the book has to be good. Exactly. Okay, that's what I was, <laughs> I was thinking. Of, yeah, oh, they're not going to take crap just because they need somebody. I mean, that's that's the sign yeah. of a bad agent if they do that. But another, re- you were talking about red flags. And another thing that happened to me with a previous manuscript was uh, I, w- I was given. Not an ultimatum, but a basically an exclusive. They asked for an exclusive, and I already had people who were reading it. And I said, "Oh no!" So I, I emailed the other agents saying that, and they said, "Yeah, don't, don't, don't do an exclusive with them." You know, if it's that I, you know what? If 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 someone asks for an exclusive, it needs to be limited. It needs to be, "Can I have an exclusive until tomorrow?" Not can I have an exclusive for a week or two or two weeks or a month? No, yeah, this is this is the sort of thing. But on the agent's side, unless this is I, you know, some super high-powered agent that you, you think is going to be perfect for your career, I I can't think of. We don't really generally work that way on the agent side, yeah, you know, because we're working for you, right? So you know it. Yeah, we offer, but you accept. So it, right. it's kind of hard for me to make lots of demands on you. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's a big red flag. And and I, I see people going, "Oh, they asked for an exclusive." I said, "Don't don't do it." I mean, it's a long exclusive. It's not the the one day thing you were talking about. And I told them, "Don't don't do it," because then they they could still turn around and say, "You know what? I don't want this." And and you've wasted yeah. all this time. Exactly. Yeah. Betting on one horse, so to speak. Yeah, it's um, and even you know I had a situation where I submitted a manuscript as exclusive to an to an editor, and there was a reason for doing that, but it was limited. You know, right? Like you know, we have I'm giving you an exclusive for X number of days, and then then we're going to start showing it around, and you know when that X number of days expired, I sent them an email saying, "Hey, what's up?" Gave them like one day and then it's like started one day to respond which they didn't respond and uh started sending out to other people right because, because it was just you know you, you you have to be careful with exclusives 
There has to be re- yeah. a, a really compelling reason for it, other than I just because they asked. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you you've been an agent for about a year and a half. I want to say uh, going on two, almost going on two. Let's round yeah. up to two. Let's round up to two. <laughs> and uh, you know, you were an editor at Tor Books mm-hmm. for almost fifteen years. Yeah. Uh, so you have you have experience in publishing. I mean, you're not completely brand new to, to all of this. Do you prefer agenting to editing, or is it just c- different? I much prefer agent editing. I actually wanted. Um, I've been thinking on the on the agent side for been wanting to do this for a very long time. Actually, when I was moving over into publishing, because I started out in banking, uh, I took classes at NYU in their publishing program, and for the book editing class, which I can talk about that, was very different than I thought it was going to be. They had um, guest speakers come in. They had the editor for Cold Mountain came in. So this is about the time Cold Mountain was really big. Uh, And they had a couple agents come in. And the agents that were there, I was like, wow, this sounds really cool because it was this interesting mix of business and creative. And I just like kind of the... Because at that time I was working in investment banking, working a lot of hours, and I felt like I'm working a lot of hours to make money for someone else. And the, right. on the agent side, I felt like, oh, the harder you work, the more money you could make, you know, for you and for your clients. And I, and that was just very appealing to me. And and the mix of the business and the you can still do the creative stuff, working with the authors to make the books better. And so I I've always kind of really been interested in that side of the business. But then I got an editorial. Um, I got an internship at Asimov's and Analog Magazines, got it hired there, uh, worked there for a year or two, and then got hired at Tor in editorial. So my career went more on the editorial side. Uh, but I don't know if I told you, but I actually interviewed for a job at Donald Moss 10 years ago. So this oh, is, wow. has, yeah, this has been something I've been, uh, I've been considering for a long time. That's awesome. And it just all worked out finally, I guess. Yeah, it did. Uh, everything kind of fell, got into the right place where it made sense to make this move. I was in a position where I could. Uh, and um, and I think what I like about it is that it's self, much more self-directed. If, if I want to take someone on, I take them on. I don't need to get approval. Right. Uh, if I'm never successful in selling their book, well, yeah, it hasn't cost anyone any actual cash. It's cost me my time. But aside from that, I like being able to be like, yes, I like this. I'm taking it on. Rather than on the editorial side, there's a lot of people you have to convince. Right. Largely because you have to start writing checks right away when the when you buy a book as a publisher. And um, also there's a much there's a big liability i guess you know there's once they buy the book and it, it's accepted they basically have to publish it and there's there's a lot more money at stake i don't right. know if that's, if that's making sense oh yeah um, i was gonna say also on the agent side i'm kind of like i don't have to wait to hear back from if something needs to be done i do it or else it doesn't get done uh, right. i don't have to in general, wait for someone else to give me a green light to do something, and so that and that sort of stuff is is very refreshing. Right, it's all on you, but at the same yeah. time, it's all on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the good part you. about being 
the good part about being with the agency is you know, we we all kind of work on our own projects, but yeah, I have all this experience as an editor, so I know that side of the business really well. I'm decently familiar with the with the other side of the business, you know, but there are a lot of questions I have, and it's really good to have the other agents and Don in particular to say, you know, hey, this is coming up. How would you handle it? Or what what is our policy on X? And um, and so that's very helpful to uh, to have. Oh yeah, it, it seems like a really good good team over there. And and everybody, to my or in my perspective, everybody has great business sense, obviously, but they also have a really good sense of story. I mean, Don's written yeah countless books about it. Um, you were an editor, and that's one of the things that I I really appreciate you as an agent is that you know it's it's not like I just send you something. And you go, okay, this is good enough, or no, this is crap. I mean, which you have said before, but <laughs> but at least you tell me why and how I can, how I can potentially fix it. Uh, but, but that's one thing I really appreciate is the, is the editorial, because I know not a lot of agents are like that. I, I think it depends on on the agent, because I've heard I was talking before as I was looking to do this, I did uh, contacted a lot of agents that I knew, and I did informational interviews and. And one of them said that yeah you know, that they don't do that. It comes in, right. and you know if if they're happy with it, they send it out. They but they don't necessarily go in and say let's work on you know your plot structure, or your tension, or you know the characters, and uh, they don't necessarily do that because they don't have that background. And I I was like oh oh. I, I assumed everyone would. I just thought that was part of the job. So I, different people handle it different ways, and I don't think there's a wrong way to do it. Right. It's just whatever's whatever the author's conf- uh, comfortable with. And yeah. You know the the uh, agent who counteroffered for daughters. Um, I asked each of you, you know, what what you thought you'd like to change about it, and you know, you gave me certain things, and she said, "No, it, it's good how it is." I was like, "Oh." <laughs> so lazy me was like, well, that'd be easier. But I was like, nah. But I really liked your suggestions, and like I said, you're you're my number one pick. So that no contest. So what 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 are some things? Obviously, we talked about how the manuscript has to be good. I mean that that should be knowledge for everybody. But what are some things that authors can do, or things that you look for that just kind of give them an extra leg up, like having a website or. or for you, what what are some uh, bonuses? Uh, well, having the website, all that stuff, um, social media presence, that comes later for me. Uh, I really don't look at that until I'm already excited about the book and the story. And if you have that, like you had the, you had your website, which is perfectly fine, but you were also doing interviews with authors that you were posting, so you're engaged in the community that the books were going to be sold to, sold to, in, in for your particular in, in, instance. But um, in general, I don't. Being professional about it, you know, I don't necessarily need a a dry cover letter, but you know, professional cover letter. I don't need pictures of your dog or um, you know things like that because uh, this is granted we're very casual, but it is a professional relationship, and right. and um, it's. A kind of want to 
have it that way. You know, it's a very laid back professional relationship, which is the way I prefer it. But um, so especially the first introduction, the first query, the first interactions, you want those to be professional. And I, it's good to know if you've written more stuff, uh, you know, cause writing is hard. I mean, it's, it's, there's a reason I don't do it because it's tough and right. it takes a fair amount of practice. And it, so if this is the first thing someone has ever written, it, chances are it's not going to be up to snuff. I'll definitely look at it still, but, um, but it's always good to know if, other stuff has been written, even if it's not published. You know, it's just like I've written, you know, four other novels before this that are, um, that's, because then the assumption is you've been trying to improve over time. And right. So, I don't know, is that yeah. a question? Or is oh, it yeah, more totally. Stuff? Okay. Uh, I mean, Daughters was my fourth novel. Yeah. Um, and the one I'm debuting with, Smoke Eaters, is my fifth. And I'm, I'm, I wrote... I'm working on my seventh right now, including the novella. But that's what one thing that really just frustrates me. And I don't know if I'm an asshole for thinking this, but I, I don't, I can't stand when I hear uh, other writers say, "Yeah, I've been trying to sell my my first novel for the last ten years." I said, "What? Have you written anything else since?" Well, no. I'm I'm going to sell this first. I, it just drives me nuts because <laughs> you. I it, my dad told me a long time ago. This anecdote, and I don't know even uh, the purpose of him telling me this, um, but he said that you catch more fish with more poles in the pond, yeah, yeah. or something like that. And that's always <laughs> been my, you know, it, keep writing, you know, because it's it. I, <laughs> we had daughters out, but I still finished uh, Smoke Eaters, yeah, and, and that was a good thing. Otherwise, we, you know, we'd be in limbo probably somewhere still. Yeah, Smoke Eaters, you know, because it had um, I don't know if um, well, it had the hook. If your readers are not familiar with Smoke Eaters or listeners, uh, you know, it's Firefighters versus Dragons. And I remember I talked to him and I said, you know, hey, that is a much more commercial hook and much easier to describe to people and get them excited than, you know, Daughters, which was, you know, oh, Escape from New York in space with all female cast. Yeah, there's too many really, things going yeah, on there. <laughs> yeah, so it was really hard to kind of distill that down. Um, so, but as far as um, you were saying, you know, just working on that one project over and over and over, I had an author I worked with, and he said that he has a lot of, you know, trunk stories, trunk novels that he'd written in the past, and he realized that as he gets better as a writer, it's actually better for him to come up with a brand new idea and write something there. And, and it'll be better than going back into the archive and finding something that was older that was kind of substandard and trying to polish it up. It's just right. the skills are uh, – the approach to the writing is so much different now than it was then, and it doesn't make sense to – it's, it's to better. backward, yeah. Better just start fresh. And uh, so it's kind of like that with uh, – you know, if you if you you've written your one novel and you keep trying to sell it and you keep coming back and back to it and keep trying to rework it, you know, so there's something to be said for okay, let's set that aside and take what I've learned here and start with something new. Right, and and you find you know I think that you find that voice that you feel more comfortable with or that you find that that uh, 
comes across better. I, I find that my, my, my voice is a little bit more, or I do better with a more modern voice um, than like a, like with my pirate fantasy and I was throwing out a bunch of weird big words and, you know, old 1700 type language. That's tough to do. And and the thing is, um, for the characters who are speaking that language, that language, let's see if I can describe that right. To them, that language would sound the way this language sounds to us. It would just sound normal. So, right. um, so it doesn't necessarily, we don't necessarily need to see and hear all the various ye olde time language. Uh, right. It, because that's just normal language to that to the character, and if we're hearing it from the character's point of view, whether it's first person or third person, it will sound just like normal language. I mean, you, you will occasionally run into yet to be aware of anachronisms that would stand out. Because uh, I one I was working on ages ago, uh, I think it was copy editing it for a, a historical fantasy. And they use the word handheld to describe something, like in, in compound word handheld. And I was like, eh, it feels a little too modern. Because <laughs> it's, it's, you might want to rework that. Right. Um, and uh, so things like that. I think Alex Bledsoe just posted on his website that. He written a world that didn't have, I think, didn't have cars in it, or never had some sort of technology that we take for granted, and so had to go through and scrub the manuscript of all the words that were derivative from it. And I, unfortunately, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a really good example of, you know, for example, if you never had cars, then you know, then all the kind of euphemisms or all the metaphors that are based on car technology and car culture really can't be in the world in the world right you, you know, can't say let's put the pedal to the metal or or, or yeah or like you that. know oh we're now on the fast lane yes stuff like that <laughs> that's good and a they, lot of those things if you're not paying attention they'll, they'll slip under the radar yeah they do and, and you know what if they, if they slip in if 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 something like that slips in occasionally and no one catches it yeah it's it's not the end of the world right so it doesn't run the story yeah well as long as it doesn't take the reader out of the story then you're generally fine right well we've talked a lot about me and yeah (laughs) sorry but i I, well no no that's great but i do want to take the opportunity because you do have other clients and i know uh dan Cobalt, an old friend of mine gets jealous that (laughs) So we, we've talked a lot about me, but you have other clients, um, and I know tonight you're going to an event for Leanna Renee Heber, and yes. I, I know I said that right because I, right. I've watched a video of her getting mad at somebody mispronouncing it. So uh, what what uh, what book is she having uh, that just came out uh, that she's promoting? She has written a series, a, a trilogy for Tor, it's Gaslamp Fantasy, uh, called The Eternophiles. And it's the last book, the third book in that trilogy, called The Eternal Solution, that is, had just came out this week. Leanna does a lot of promotion, and she's really good at it. And this one actually is, she's, she does events here regularly, but it's called The Morris Jumel Mansion, J-U-M-E-L. 
in um, northern Manhattan, and it's the oldest city, oldest home in Manhattan, I believe. Like it was a private home. George Washington stayed there during the Revolutionary War, so it's old and it's haunted. And which oh, of wow. course, which of course, Leanne was like, "Yeah, uh, right." And because she does ghost tours and stuff like that, and so the she does events there, and all her friends come and fans, and Leanna a lot generally writes stuff set around the Victorian age, and she dresses like a Victorian woman, and and she's like, this isn't a costume, this is the way I, I dress, right. and for these events she dresses up, and it's really amazing, these amazing outfits, and a lot of the people coming will be in outfits. Uh, there's a uh, clothing line called Wormwood and Gall that does curated um, outfits, and they do them kind of based in in respect or in uh, that's not the right word, but um, kind of based on the books. And okay. so, they'll, so they'll be there too, and it'll 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 be a lot of fun. And it actually also, in addition to Leanna promoting and selling the books. Uh, it's a fundraiser for the mansion also. Oh, that's so it's, awesome. It's really, and she's, you know, she's a trained actress, so she's really great in dealing with the crowds and really reading, and it's, 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 it'll be a lot of fun. It's always, it's always cool to see Leanna's stuff. So there's that, and she will be working on, her next project will be a start of a new series called The Ghost Precinct. I believe that's, it's either called the Ghost Precinct or the Spectral City. I'm not sure which which one we ended up going with, but it's set around the 1900. There is a secret division within the New York New York Police Department that employs mediums who can talk to the dead. So they're using spirits to solve crime, and it's really it's really neat. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so that's that's the next project she'll be working on. Cool. I'd love to do something with her sometime, because I, I used to be an actor too, and I, I'm good in front of crowds. Of, of course, and I, know, I don't think I told you about this, but I had that reading the other night at the wine event. Yeah, and <laughs> there's a bunch of uh, older people there, and uh, I started reading from Smoke Eaters, and uh, there's you know a lot of curse words, but I figured if you're drinking, you should be okay with you know saying fuck and shit and piss and stuff. You, but apparently my wife said that the guys in the audience were like, oh, cool. And the women were like, oh, my. So it was <laughs> it was interesting, to say the least. Uh, there's something to be said for reading your audience, Sean. Yeah, I know. I But and I, I'm the type where if I go into an, uh, an event that's too proper, I, I kind of like to, to stir the pot. But All right. There you that's go. That's my... <laughs> But uh, what what other what other projects are you excited about that that you can talk about? Uh, let's see. Dan Cobalt uh, has a trilogy he's doing with Harper Voyager, their Impulse line, which is eBooks first, primarily eBooks first, and then followed by paperback a couple uh, months later. It's the Gateways to Elysia series. Essentially, the premise is there is it's portal fantasy. So a corporation has discovered this this doorway to a fantasy realm essentially where magic is real and it's medieval type you know it's low tech 
civilization, but magic is real. And what they've done is they've kept it secret, and they've sent through people to study this culture and try to figure out what technology, what how they can take the resources from them and create products. But their main researcher has kind of gone native, and he's disappeared with a backpack of a whole bunch of technology. So they need to go in. They're sending in essentially a military extraction force to go get this guy before he messes everything up. But it's a world where magic is real, and they don't have a magician. So they actually go to Las Vegas and recruit a Vegas stage magician to go in and be their magician. And that's the main character, who's this very wry, very funny um, guy who has his own agenda. And it goes in there with them and discovers that, you know, he's using his stage illusions, but discovers that maybe there's something a little more to this magic thing than, than, he's, uh, than, than he's originally thought. And so the third book will be coming out early next year. The first one's called The Rogue Retrieval. The second one's The Island Deception. And the third one, The World Awakening, comes out, I think, right around the time Smoke Eaters comes out. Early early next year, like March, April, May. Okay. It'll, it'll come out. And those, they're, they're interesting, and they're a lot of fun, because his voice is re- very wry, and he uses a lot of pop, pop culture references to get by in this fantasy world. So, oh, yeah. okay, that's cool. Yeah, which is really neat, and it's just because they have no idea what he's talking about. Like, exactly, you know, he'll quote, you know, lyrics from popular songs to get through checkpoints and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just, it's just fun, and that it's definitely worth fun. checking out. So, do you want to hear more? Because I have, yeah, more. yeah, definitely. Okay, June. It's not coming out till June next year. Jeremy Finley who um, actually is in Nashville. He's, he's an investigative reporter in Nashville. Uh, he, he has this thriller. It's kind of X-Files feel to it. It's called The, the Darkest Time of Night. It, this is one of those that when they query, authors generally send me the first five pages. And I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I asked for 50 pages. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I read the whole thing and I was... I told him that I was going to miss my la- my subway stop because I was so intent <laughs> on the manuscript. But it's not entirely true because I live on the last stop of the subway. So, <laughs> so you wouldn't have technically missed it, but if, if, if it kept going, you would have. It would have, yes. I mean, they actually go through and kick you off the subway, so I can't, you know, so I can't really <laughs> tell that to people. But I would have. I would have. So right. basically the premise here is... This um, very young child goes missing from the woods behind his grandmother's house. And his older brother, just a couple years older, saw what happened. And they he's so traumatized that he can't speak. He only says one thing. The lights took him. And then he's silent. He can't talk again. And everyone's freaking out. They're FBI's involved, they're trying to find this kid and nothing happens, they can't find him but the grandmother realizes I've heard that phrase before the lights took him and I heard it 40 years ago and so she has to go back into her past and this past is kind of buried and hidden to find the keys to getting her grandson back 
And it's really, it's just really cool and really neat. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and of it, course, the lights <laughs> took him kind of makes you wonder, hmm. Is it aliens or is it... Yeah, exactly. And, and you don't really of... know throughout the entire book. You don't really know. You're, you're just all the way through. You're like, well, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, what is it? What is it? And it's just, it's really cool. That'll that be coming. Awesome. Out, that'll be coming out in June uh, next year. So it's still a ways out, but it actually will be here pretty quick. They're, you know, it comes before you know it. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, mine mine's coming up soon, and I'm I'm freaking out trying to get everything, get all my ducks in a row. You know, Jeremy actually lived in, uh, in Little Rock for a while. Oh really? Uh, and worked for the news station. Yeah, he's he's gonna hook me up with uh, hopefully getting a, a TV interview. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. The day they um. He w- we were able to announce that he sold his book. On he sent us a clip that on the news that night because he anchors the evening news with a couple other co-anchors. They gave him flowers and they talked about it, and it was really neat to see. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he went to uh, Southern Illinois University, the the school I dropped out of. So we oh. <laughs> we, yeah, so we had a lot to talk about. <laughs> What's funny though is just this is totally off topic, but uh, my I have my Twitter feed and I follow all my authors and everyone's Twitter mentions are you know about writing and interesting stuff. But Jeremy, since what he does, you know, he's the one who investigates the people who are you know ripping off their customers and all that. He knocks on the doors and shoves the microphone in their face and. Uh, his, Twitter, <laughs> his Twitter feed is very depressing compared to everyone else's because yeah. he's, he's you know, tweeting about his work, and I'm just like, right. oh, 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 yeah, okay. See, I can't really, I can't really tweet about my work. I mean, I can oh, yeah, to a certain yeah. point, but you know, there's there's uh, laws against right, exactly, yeah. But yeah, I don't, and I try to stay away from depressing stuff. Right. But yeah, I do. I I I follow him as well, and it, it's it's interesting. Well, he's usually yeah, he's usually it. teasing the story for that night's news, so that's why you know it's always just you know he's investigating some really serious stuff, and so it right. just in comparison with all the other authors, his Twitter feed is uh is is doesn't quite fit. That's fine. <laughs> well, um, let's wrap things up with our interview. And uh, is there anything? Uh, that you would like to tell potential authors who uh, want to send you a query, which I, I, are you are you still open to queries at the at the moment? I am still open to queries, but I'm really far behind, and it really bugs me. Um, and you know, it's almost Thanksgiving, so a lot of stuff closes down. Clo- not closes down, but slows down between Thanksgiving and New Year. So I'm going to do my best to get caught up. Um, the yeah, people can query me if I do close to queries. Um, I it will it will show up on the the agency page. It'll I'll I'll say that. Um, so yeah, if people want to query me, they certainly can. The the standard right now what we do is um, we want to see it pasted in the email five pages of the manuscript, the first five pages, with a. Um, you know, cover letter, introductory letter, just telling me a little bit about you, about the book, and um, synopsis. I used to say on my thing on a synopsis, you know, to take out the, the no spoilers, take out all the spoilers, and I realized that 
it's kind of cruel of me to ask someone to rewrite their synopsis because they're so hard to write in the first place. So don't worry. If you've heard that, if you see that posted somewhere about, that's no longer current. Just a regular synopsis is fine. (laughs) Uh, And, and, and to be absolutely honest, um, synopsis is the last thing I look at. So it, it, it all depends on if I'm hooked in those five pages and if I right. to be honest here's how it goes you know I'll, I'll quickly look at the at the cover letter get a sense of what it is then I'll go to the actual pages the actual writing and um, if I'm if I really like it and I want to read more I don't even need to look at the synopsis at this point that's only if I'm off the, on the fence if I'm like hmm well, well let me see where this is going then I would look at the synopsis but um, so I, I know it's just, they're stressful to write because I have to write them sometimes. Uh, they're hard to write. So, um, you know, just, but if you don't get it, the synopsis perfect for me, it's not going to have a huge impact on you. Well, that's good because I hate writing them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have to write them too. Um, no, well, actually for you, I made, I made you write it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so but that's uh, all right. I mean, you know, it's part of it. It's it's writing. If you're going to write, you got to write all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but that's uh, all right. Yeah. So basically, let me. Talk, I'm looking for you know science fiction and fantasy, all types. Um, I also am interested in mysteries, but I've discovered that a straight up mystery is not really going to be of interest to me. So tech, hopefully, would have some sort of speculative element in it if there's ghosts or if there's psychics or if there's superpowers or you know or if it's just an unusual setting if it's in rome or if it's you know in ancient rome not not present day rome uh if it's you know in 30 years from now and there's new technology that's helping solve the crimes those sorts of things would would be interesting then straight up mystery or thriller present day probably not going to be as much of interest to me there are plenty right. of other agents who do that so you're more you're better served to reach out to them right so if you're writing say a mystery where the detective is a robot you know, i don't know who might be writing that at the moment uh well, I do anyway, have talk to, to about say, that. and I've, I've, I believe I mentioned this to you before. Yeah. I've, I edited two different robot detective projects in the past, so I yeah, am familiar I with that genre. <laughs> and they're even coming out with a, t- a web series about a robot detective. I'm like, what the hell? The universe is conspiring against me. But I, I well, well, the thing, the thing is, will be your the the. You can do that that stuff. You have to have a fresh, unusual take on it, um, and that is will be what makes it stand out, right? Because the the second detective robot thing I worked on was very different than the first one. And, yeah, and I've read both of them. Mm-hmm. And if they had been very similar, then I would have not done multiple. I wouldn't wouldn't have done the second one. Right. Um, simply because it would, you know, in uh, this is why I was an editor. Um, you know, 
the people who work in publishing tend to work there a long time. And so people would remember, oh, we did that, you know, 10 years ago, we did a book like this. You, right. hear, you know, hear them say that in meetings. You know, oh, well, such and such. We did a book, you know, 10 years about that and similar and see how that did. And, and, well, and, and so that's interesting. Well, I'll talk to you more about that later. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> okay, well, Paul, thank you so much for coming on Cosmic Dragon. Uh, and you've mentioned where people can find you. They can follow you on Twitter. Uh, they can go to mossagency.com mm-hmm. and uh, figure out uh, how to query you. you. You have your email and stuff on there, too. Yeah, the um, for current writer's guidelines, what I'm looking for, the mossagency.com page is the best. Um, I do endeavor to put in, I you know, updates on where I am on submissions, but that update itself is incredibly outdated right now. Also something I'll be working on um, before the end of the year. But that's the best place to go. Twitter, you know, it's um, certainly, I'm, I'm what I call an occasional Twitter, or I, I don't Twitter tweet very often uh, because... I'm like, well, who cares what I had for lunch today? You know, that, that <laughs> only, only Not- generally around, you know, if there's something cool going on with my clients, I do favorite, you know, hit, hit the little heart a lot, but that doesn't show up on my feed. So, right. All right. Well, thanks Paul. And we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Sean.